Today on Lockdown Red Wings, Detroit hands the Boston Bruins just their 10th loss of the season on the back of Dylan Larkin's three-point night. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's a freelance journalist for the Detroit News, covering it, what, state playoffs? Was that state playoffs that you covered this weekend? Yeah, high school states, man, Thursday through Saturday. I was at the arena for like 12 or 13 hours straight on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. a it was a very, very long weekend. But yeah, uh, Detroit Catholic Central, four peats. Got the Division One level. Beats Brighton for the second year in a row. Uh, Brother Rice wins Division Two. Um, and then uh, I'm totally blanking. That's super embarrassing. On the D3. Oh, Flint Powers. Flint Powers won D3, their first title in uh, school history, like 50-plus years of uh, playing playing state-level or high school-level, state-level hockey. So, cool. Cool, yeah, fun weekend. Yeah, I also saw some hockey this weekend that wasn't Red Wings-related. I went to Frazier uh, and watched some Motor City Rockers hockey for the first time ever, FPHL. It's cool, uh, ain't it? It is really cool. Uh, yeah. it, it was a lot faster paced than I was expecting. They did a really good job of, like, kind of catering to their crowd in a lot of ways. They em- emphasize like the kids stuff. It reminded me a lot of what like the USPBL is trying to do. And for sure, you know, I have my thoughts on that ice rink as a whole, um, having played out of it my entire life, but you know, being in a stadium size rink has nothing but benefits to a team that's trying an independent pro league that's trying to get their feet off the ground. Right. Uh, it was a good product. I, I heavily enjoyed the game and you know, for the value, it was nice. It's good stuff. It's super so, cool. I agree. Yeah. Hey, independent hockey is just fun. Um, it is. But anyways, we're here to talk Red Wings. Red Wings had a home-and-home home back-to-back against the Boston Bruins. They lost the first game 3-2 to two in Boston, and then they won the second game 5-3 to three at LCA on Sunday, uh, recording this Sunday evening. Scotty, I don't know. Do you want to try and maybe talk about it game by game? But like as a whole, it's kind of impossible to separate them completely. It'll, it'll always kind of be married because we're talking about both of them in hindsight. Yeah, I, I think it's probably easier to talk in the viewpoint of like a weekend recap versus like a game to game. But I mean, for we, we can talk about just like really quickly, like each game and how they went. I mean, Saturday was... He got off to an early lead. He looked really solid, took advantage of some high danger opportunities. And then the Boston Bruins are the Boston Bruins. And so they were able to claw their way back in. And uh, you found yourself losing a hockey game there. And uh, we had a very fun time in, in, the, in the press box with, with that game. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, that, that was Saturday. And then Sunday, you got off to an early lead. But you were actually able to hold on, even though Boston did everything in their power to try to claw back in that one, too. So uh, two very similar games that I don't feel bad about just kind of combining into one big six period long hockey game instead of uh, breaking it down game by game for our purposes. Yeah, I I thought the Red Wings had a really, really good 
first period in the first game. I mean, you got a shorthanded goal out of Andrew Cobb, followed up by a power play goal by Andrew Chasen, uh, or Alex Chasen, rather. And I, dude, you know, Cobb and Chasen both had really good weekends as a whole. They scored, I mean, they scored a goal in each. Obviously, Cobb's second goal is an empty netter. But defensively, Andrew Cobb was really good. He's really finally, it feels like he's finally getting back to 100%. It's taken a long time, as core surgery does tend to have that. But it's like, you're starting to see the guy that you're paying $5 million to play. And in that first period, I mean, the Red Wings had two shorthanded goals this weekend. They had a total of, I think, three power play goals, too. Special teams yeah. was kicking ass. Uh, in this, and obviously you're not going to stop the Bruins power play every single time as in the second game or the first game, rather it did, it did get, you did get punished. Um, although I, you know, I have my complaints with the Patrice Bergeron power play goal and how that transpired. I don't know if you saw any of that covering all your state championship hockey, but no, no, it was a fluid convo and, and and watching going on in the box. You go from going up three to one to getting the guy who scored your goal, getting called an interference penalty on, and then they immediately tie it up. I mean that in of in and of itself changed the, the, the direction of that entire hockey game. And don't get me wrong. The Boston Bruins dominated period two in game. Number one, absolutely dominated period two in game. Number one, but they finally got on the board after Helberg had was playing really solid hockey. I, I have my issues with his rebound control, but you put me in that I would not do any better. So I'm not trying to, I'm not going to give him too much crap for that. He still made over 30 saves in this hockey game while only allowing three goals. So I thought he was great. To be yeah, no, like, he was. The, the thing with Helberg that's been consistent throughout the entire year is he will make really impressive saves. He just also has a tendency to let in softies like crazy. Like you're like, you're, you know what I mean? Like you're blanking the Bruins through a period and a half. And then you're like, like, and then there's a couple that you just look at. And this, again, this isn't just this weekend. This is across really the entire season or at least his entire Red Wings stint. It's just like, man, like you'll, you'll, he'll go out there and have a a decent save percentage on, any given night and uh, like keep the team in it for, you know, like 30, 40 minutes. And then just, I, I don't know. It's kind of like a floodgates thing. It almost feels like, and and it's usually a, a goal where you're like, all right, you probably could have and should, I've seen you make that save before, but like, here we are. I mean the, the Red Wings, I, for what it's worth, I know they lost the first game, but I think they came out knowing their opponent. This is, this is honestly the type of game I wish I had seen them play in Ottawa. I know you're yeah. the, the, the back-to-backs. Like, this is a game where they absolutely knew their opponent and had to play up to them. And I think they punched them in the mouth a bit in the first period of, the, of game number one. And then the Boston Bruins went to the locker room and went, okay, well, we weren't prepared. And they came back out in the second <laughs> and took it over from there and dominated – just absolute domination by the Bruins in game number two. They, the Red Wings could not get out of the defensive zone. It was really tough the entire time. Period two, yeah. I mean, the Bruins, uh, yeah, period two. The Bruins, they earned that 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 game number one win, but the Red Wings held with them the entire time. I, I have very little to complain about in that loss when talking about a team as dominant as the Boston Bruins were this season. I mean, that was their 50th win of the year, regulation win of the year. They were already over 100 points. So I mean, for yeah, what it's after worth, Saturday they had still only had single-digit regulation losses, and were literally in the middle of March. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, crazy. that's nuts. <laughs> well, I had thought I had thought they had their tenth regulation loss. I thought it came at the hands of the Edmonton Oilers, but the Oilers handed them their ninth. Right. So game number two, 
in Detroit was their 10th regulation loss of the season. Correct. Which is just insane. And, you know, I, that game, that second game, and I want to, I want to kind of save that conversation, I guess, for segment two. But, you know, the Red Wings have kind of uncovered a little bit of a gem here with uh, Alex Chasen as a net front presence on the power play. He's a dog. He's yeah. a dog, man. And, and you know, I, I think that it's super – I don't know if it's the scouting department. I don't know if it's Stevie. I, I don't know what what person or area is, like, majority responsible for it. But when you look at what they did at the deadline, they got rid of all of their wreak havoc in front of the net people, right? Yeah. They got rid of Burt, obviously, but they also got rid of Sunquist, who has been the – person down low you know the the big body out in front of the net and on the power play especially like when Ross was hurt and, and everything I mean that 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 was gone uh during this the stretch of games leading up to the trade deadline and then post trade deadline obviously that didn't change so to to go out and and find a do you know even if this doesn't last and, it, and it's not a long-term option and it's just a cool little flair and it, he'll be a you know, niche kind of player in, in the lore of Red Wings history, like whatever. I mean, you found someone that up to this point ha has really been producing at an area that we thought you were completely gutted of and got rid of everyone that could, that could fill that role. So yeah, props to, to whoever really is, is responsible for uh, kind of making that decision to bring him on and put him in that role. And obviously most importantly, shout out to him for, for taking advantage of another NHL opportunity. I mean, four, four points in four games, you know, I don't know how long it's going to last, but, and you don't know how long this power play clicking the way it is, is going to last either. It could just be a, a, you know, a new guy. You don't have tape on him. So you're not sure how he's going to play, but you know, the fact that they sent him to an NHL contract and immediately put him on the power play, they clearly had an idea that that was going to be kind of the right. specialist role he was going to have. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, he has been very good. He kind of did what I liked watching Raymond do earlier in the season when they had Raymond as the net front presence, where it wasn't so much about putting on a screen, but more so being a backdoor threat to draw the goalie out of position or defenseman out of position. And you saw it on Larkin's goal in game number two as well, where, you know, Larkin ended up with a clear lane because the defenseman had to cover chase and off to the side. Almost. It was, it was good. Um, but when we come back, we have to go to a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about Dylan Larkin. Uh, as he had a three-point night in game number two as the captain, uh, earning every penny of that $8.7 million contract. But first, I got to talk to you guys about Athletic Greens. Our next partner is a product you got to use literally every day. Start taking AG1 because with one delicious scoop of it, you're absorbing 75 quality high-quality high vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, and no nasty chemicals. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated routine supplement to recover. It cost him $100 a day, but Athletic Greens costs you less than $3 a day, and you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and a five free and a 
five and five free travel packs. Apologies with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are breaking down the back-to-back games against the Boston Bruins. And I don't know. I don't know how much else you have to say about the first game. They lost that one. So, meh. Helberg again, 921 save percentage. Great performance by him. A shame they couldn't get him the win. But, I mean, shorthanded goal, awesome. Power play goal, awesome. But game number two, they actually won. So Yeah, and, and again, like as far as individual performances, I think we should – probably just take a look more at you know weekend as a whole than game by game because a lot of players that did well in one did well in both well like you know for what it's worth expected goals for percentage wise it philip zadina my boy best player on the team with a 65 expected goals for percentage 65 percent in game number one uh yeah good performance by him analytically speaking he's turned himself into a knight a really strong defensive forward and he had a breakaway in game number two he just uh couldn't finish on it yeah, I mean, he missed everything on it. But yes, he. I really wanted him to That's, score that, to be honest. That is you. that has become the norm with Zadina. Yeah, he's, he's trying to go backhand and, and airmailed literally everything. But The guy uh, you drafted for his finishing ability cannot finish. Correct. But he's good but defensively. I, I mean, again, <laughs> he, he did, like I, I think, pretty objectively have a really, really solid weekend. I, I agree with you. I think he looked really good. It's just <laughs> putting the puck in the back of the net, that's – that's uh, been the, the big controversy for him, obviously, in his career. But, um, yeah, no, and I, I, I was impressed with him this weekend as well, for sure. Really good in the new, in the uh, yeah, in the neutral zone, man. Oh, yeah, like, really, he always really has good. been. Uh, so, game number two, Dylan Larkin led the way with three points. He had a power play goal and then two assists in the game as well. Uh, he assisted on Alex Chasen's power play goal. Again, just backdoor redirecting, assisted by Larkin and Raymond. Then you had... The Moritz Sider shorthanded breakaway goal. Now, tell me if you had that on your bingo board for a, any given game. It was a beauty, though, wasn't it? Well, the fact that he picked the pocket of David Pasternak on the power play, went all the way down, and then rattled the cage with the backhander. It went bar, beauty. bar, bar in. Absolute beauty, man. It was a fun one. I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I would say that uh, maybe not first half of the season but like post trade deadline that might be one of the the coolest moments or coolest goals of the post trade deadline to try red wings just the rest of the way well and you know it's funny it was just, it was really a similar pathway in game number 2 as it was in game number 1 in terms of like red wings came out and punched the boston bruins in the mouth again period number 1 only walked away with a one goal lead but in period number 2 boston started to lay the pressure on you know, the shot attempts started to heavily favor the Boston Bruins in period number two, but the difference is, is the Red Wings in their few attempts really finished. That's where you had, again, the more cider uh, breakaway goal. You had the Dylan Larkin power play goal. What a rocket that was. I mean, you put Dylan Larkin in between the dots with no man on him. He's going to rifle it. He's got a shot, such an underrated shot. But then Adam Ernie getting on the board as Ernie. well. The dog, you know He's got, he does absolutely. Have, that's the best way of describing Adam Ernie as the dog. Uh, Jonathan Bergeron shot was deflected behind the net and he just got the rebound and buried it. You love man, he was, it. he was kind of throwing bodies at one point too, man. Yeah. He's, he's not going to shy away from nobody. I, I got, I got mad respect. Big ups, Adam Ernie, man. It was just, you know, 
it, it felt like the Red Wings came out prepared to face the Boston Bruins in these two games. And, you know, in, in this second game, they, they allowed themselves more padding because when the Boston Bruins came alive in the second, you know, who so stood on his head also, I mean, he had 30 saves and yeah. 33 shots against, he played a great game, but you know, the Boston Bruins chipped away at it. They chipped, they chipped, they chipped, they brought it within one. And then Andrew Kopp was able to empty net finish it. And that's when Larkin got a second assist. So it's just, I thought they had, I thought they had a good game plan to tackle the Boston Bruins, get out early. And then, you know, obviously you want to keep piling it on, but it's really hard against, especially Linus Olmark. I, I was really impressed with the Red Wings performance in these two games. I don't know any other way to say it other than that. I a hundred percent agree. Um, I, I was also very impressed with Andrew Kopp's performance. I don't oh, know yeah. if we, uh, we, we want to talk about that, but uh, I thought Copper was great this weekend. And you kind of mentioned it earlier. I think he's finally starting to fulfill that role that we brought him on to do. He was he he was pretty solid in the face-off circle this weekend, which I think was mm-hmm. something that we talked about when we signed him and something that he really struggled with earlier on in the season. And uh, a lot of people are like, what the heck? Like he was supposed to be the face-off guy and, a, and kind of a defensive forward to throw into the mix here. And um, I, I thought that he was he was a lot better in the faceoff, like noticeably, like they were talking about it at one point on the broadcast, even uh, throughout the weekend. Um, and yeah, I mean, had a had obviously put points on the board like beauty. But I I I think the biggest thing for me was just the the secondary reasons more so even than like scoring goals and whatnot. I, I think I. I was just impressed with him defensively, and I was impressed with him in the faceoff circle. He's been absolutely kind of getting his strength back. I feel like you can see that pretty, pretty, pretty easily. And they here. put him in. I mean, late in game two, especially, he was taking almost every faceoff at the end of the game there for for a reason, you know. And and uh, I I think yeah, very impressed I mean, anal- with him. Analytically speaking, uh, you know, I thought Robert Hay. <laughs> How are you going to respect really Robert Haig, dude? That's my question. I've, I'm not disrespecting Robert Haig. It's just one of those things where it's like you have to take the full thing in the in the, in the consideration, right? Like his second best Corsi 4 percentage in game number two, 71%. But he's playing 13 minutes of five on five time a night, and he's playing against the – there's no one – there's no easy member of the Boston Bruins, but he's not playing, playing the toughest minutes either. I mean, if you look at it more at Cider – that was the third worst player on the team expected goals four percentage wise, but he's playing the toughest minutes. So like Dylan Larkin, Lucas Raymond, they were the worst two players expected goals four percentage wise, but Raymond had two points. Larkin had three points. So it's one of those things where like, I love the advanced analytics, but sometimes you're like, okay, well this player contributed production, like actual production on the score sheet. And granted a lot of those came on the power play and special teams. And this at five on five doesn't take that into account. So it's kind of like uh it's a great supplement, but we, we can't base our entire conversation on it. And sometimes I feel like I fall into that trap, but Robert Haig, going back to the main point, Robert well, Haig did have a very good game in the limited Robert amount of ice Hague time. He did have, I, I'm respecting him. He had a good game. All right. I'm respecting. <laughs> no, I know. Him. I know you respected him. He was good though. Yeah, he was good. Um, if you sort this, if you include all of the special teams included, as well as five on five, I was trying to figure out a way of putting it, all the strengths, you know, obviously Larkin and Raymond climb back towards the middle because power play time is huge and helping. But yeah, 
That's why we usually look at five on five time, just because that's when things are even, so to speak. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we'll finish off this conversation. Uh, Got to give some more props out. You know, let's, see, let's talk a little bit more about Philly Huso when we come back. Good game out of him. Nice bounce back performance. Um, but first, got to talk to you guys today about Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. For years, we've been telling you, just go to Bill. Go to Bill.com. But now, you can find them on a storefront. You can find them on a shelf. You can find them at Walmart and Sam's Club. You go to Walmart, you get a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you go to Sam's Club, you grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You will thank us later. So again, built.com, Walmart, Sam's Club. You won't regret it. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Kind of glossed over Vili Husso's performance. But I mean, in both of these games, the goaltending was, and this has been the case all season long, but good goaltending was so vital to the Red Wings' success in both these games. Even the fact that they lost the first game, I mean, held into it by Helberg. And the second game, Husso made some really timely big saves. You might make an argument that like the third goal who so maybe should have saved, but also when you look at who scored the third goal in the second game, David Pasternak, who has an absolute piss missile of a hot of a shot. I mean, hard to give him crap for that. I think both the goalies deserve massive props for their performances this weekend. For sure. And, and we talk about it all the time, just pretty much after every game, yeah. we talk about how much pressure this defense puts on, the goaltending pretty consistently just because of how shallow it still is. But I, I think both sides of the coin really stepped up this week. And I thought the defense was a lot better than we, and, and you know, we haven't had too many conversations of, we love to highlight when it's poor because it's poor a lot, but I, I think they do deserve their flowers. I thought the defense was was a lot better this weekend than I probably ever expected it to be in this back-to-back. Uh, and the goaltending certainly follows suit and and did the same thing. So, yeah, big ups for sure. Yeah, I, there's just, like I said, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I was just super impressed with this team's performance. I mean, David Perron had a couple nice plays as well. Yeah. He had a play where... He forced his way through like two Boston defenders and got a shot off. And then at the end of the period, this is kind of like, I shouldn't be so impressed by this, but at the end of the first period, because David Perron gets into it. Like he's, he is, oh, yeah. a, he's got an edge to him at the end of the period, but in front of the benches, Marshawn cross checks him. And cause you know, that's Marshawn. He's trying to get you into stuff and draw a penalty. Perron, like give him a little shove back. And when Marshawn came back and you, you could see, I can't remember who it was, maybe Kubelik come over and like try to get into it and Perron put his hand on his chest and just like wave Marshawn away like just go and like I was low-key super impressed by that I know that's such a non-essential part of the game or non non-significant part of the game yeah but I was like really impressed by just like the it's the end of the period I'm gonna go to the locker room with no penalty we're up you know it was just I was like wow I I don't know what that caught my eye I was really impressed with uh, 
<laughs> impressed for the opposite reason. Uh, I was really impressed with Dylan Larkin right after the horn sounded and, uh, and the boys cleared the bench. Uh, Boston was skating by. There's a couple of players. I forget who they were, but or maybe I just didn't ever notice who they were. But uh, there, there's a couple of players still skating off the ice and Larkin is skating on the ice from the bench to go celebrate the win with the team and is just jawing at whoever is skating by him uh, as they're heading into the locker room. So I, I, for the opposite reason of you, I was really impressed with that. That's my captain, baby. <laughs> so uh, fun fact, though, if you really want to get into it. So Austin Zarnick, who got called up because Robbie Fabry, first of all, we haven't even mentioned it. Have we mentioned the fact that Robbie Fabry? Oh, yeah, was cautiously optimistic. Yeah, we did we say did. that on Friday's episode. Um, so Zarnick got called up to fill in. And Zarnick had a team-leading 78 expected goals for percentage in game number two. Dogs. Followed up by Robert Haig. <laughs> Dang right, baby. Respect Robert. Um, it's, it's nice to see the depth players really really showing up. I mean, Zarnick had a good game, analytically speaking, in uh, the f- first game, and so did Haig. They were third and fourth in expected goals for percentage. And I know, again, limited minutes, so the smaller sample size will boost sure, if they had yeah. a good or a bad game. We're kind of amplify that. But, you know... You got to make the most of the minutes you get. And in both games, they did against the best team in the league. So depth, I think the depth played especially well these these two games. Well, I think it's it's honestly, I, I we talked about coming into the season, how vital depth was going to be for this team, no matter what. And obviously trade deadline, you lost some of that. So the fact that not only is it the depth, but it's the depth that wasn't like there are some dudes depth wise that weren't even on this team or at the NHL level pre trade deadline that are now filling in those roles, playing against the Boston Bruins and doing really well. I, that's unbelievably impressive. Yeah. And sure. we talked early in the season about how important that was. And Eisenman clearly had a, a plan of assigning as many depth pieces as possible. That's right. why we had a Chasen. That's why we had a Zarnik. That's why we had a Luff because they're guys. Season- so you know one or two injuries and we were we were toast yeah. right like I, it was gone so that's why to, to exact you're exactly correct the, there's so many either like depth signings at the ahl level even or like two-way signings and stuff like that like we, we saw so much more of that this offseason than we did last offseason for that exact reason I, for sure. I just keep thinking about that setter breakaway goal though it was a beauty, man. Oh, I love him, man. I'm so – I mean, it might be my new favorite Red Wing. might be. Yeah, there it is, right? By, yeah, I, I always forget he's he's hanging on the wall behind He's him. hanging on the wall. How about three, the three, Toledo three. Walleye 16? They still have not lost. <laughs> and Seabass is killing it. He's crushing it. <laughs> they, they still have not lost since we had that conversation in the middle of last week. And, yeah, they are, they are now at, at the time of this recording – Sunday night, they have 16 straight victories. And how about the Moose Knuckles winning seven to two at Frazier last night? That was big. How about it? Yeah, going into playoffs. Uh, we have uh, next week is playoffs for us. So, oh good yeah, game 11 o'clock start. Can't wait. You sounded super enthusiastic about that. <laughs> I'm enthusiastic for the game, but not the start time. Loving sure. that, loving that. But uh, I have no this, uh, the Sunday or the Tuesday league. This is the Sunday, Tuesday lost in the semifinals last week. So uh, that's brutal, man. We're done until middle of April when spring starts. That's what, but that's the beauty of men's league, Scotty. Is uh, you know, season tomorrow. ends, and then like two weeks later, there's a new season. <laughs> there's always tomorrow in men's league, baby. Oh, yeah, I, I blocked a big, big time shot rushing the blue line. Got I'm gonna have a bruise right here on the arm. Ooh, 
you know, and then skated down the ice and abruptly. He's a grinder. I grinded it out in this game. and He's an enforcer. He's a grinder. <laughs> what can't the kid do, you know? Score. <laughs> <laughs> they don't give anybody elite prospects pages brian i don't know if you know that i love i still so my favorite thing about that elite prospects th page still is that they credited me for three games and a goal when i played four games and didn't get a single point like the stats aren't even wrong on that i'll take the goal why are you admitting that yeah because well <laughs> I, I don't i was subbing in for a team that was so banged up that they, i was literally subbing for a juniors team at a, at a showcase in chicago <laughs> All the scouts there were like, this kid. Yeah, that's why the team asked me to play the rest of the season with them. Totally. Because I was just <laughs> killing it. See, that's how, that's how you need to sell it. There we go. Yeah, because I scored a goal, right? There you go. Bang. Uh, no, I was. it was a nice, sh nice, cheap Chicago trip for me, and I got to play some meaningful hockey for a one last hurrah before going back to my men's league team and bragging about my EP. <laughs> dang right <laughs> all right scotty uh any final like shout outs hurrahs thoughts um i'm trying to think I, I think that's every like individual performance that um i wanted to cover honestly yeah no we ball i think that's it uh, yeah we absolutely ball um we'll be back in the new episode tomorrow previewing the game against the Nashville Predators as I think we'll also talk about unless there's any huge news which you know never know but unless there's any huge news we'll talk about the sadness thing that you brought up on Friday oh that's right I forgot we, we want to talk about that yeah, the Red right. Wings lead the league in sadness and we'll explain what that means on Tuesday's episode barring any big breaking news so stay tuned to Lockdown Red Wings same time same place it's your team every day almost forgot to do the same every day, <laughs> every day. <laughs>